Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump. Uh, thanks for showing up and listening. The goal here is to encourage you a little bit from the Bible, which m- might feel a little bit ironic given that I'm in Romans now. And um, it's kind of like what Paul's going to say on the face sounds kind of depressing. It almost sounds like, for at first glance, that what Paul's saying here is like, everybody's terrible and the world's a terrible place, and um, good luck. (laughs) But I promise that's not what he's actually saying. I promise there's some hope and some truth and some helpful uh, lessons for us here. Um, So, uh, yeah, let's let's dig in and see what Paul has to say to us and how it might encourage us. I'm going to start in Romans 1, starting verse 16, and I'm going to read all the way through 32. I'm sorry this is long and a little bit, like, dark, but... There's hope here for us, all right? Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and righteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You see the contrast he's making there between the righteousness of God established in the gospel and the good news about Jesus versus the unrighteousness of of human beings. All right, so hopefully you see that. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator, who is praised forever. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. The men, in the same way, uh, were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with other men, and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty for their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they did what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. All right, so here's the, <laughs> here's the vision Paul paints of humanity. Um, it's, it's not good, <laughs> right? Um, it reminds me of this time when I was a kid when we had this uh, beautiful weeping willow tree in our backyard, and I loved to play on that tree. It was huge. At least I remember it being huge. Maybe you would think of it that way now. But as a kid, it seemed huge. My brother and I climbed in all the time. We played in that tree all the time. We loved it. It was our favorite thing about our backyard. And uh, one day, um, we had a landscaper coming to look at some things in our backyard in our house. And he said, that tree's got to come down. And it didn't make sense to me. did not make sense to my brother because we looked at the tree and it looked fine. It looked beautiful. It looked just as wonderful as ever before. But he said it was sick. He said it had something wrong with it 
um, some kind of, um, I don't even remember what it was, like a fungus or disease, some kind of, the tree was diseased. It had a a disease and it was not safe. He said that tree at any moment could fall and come crashing down and hurt somebody. I mean, it could kill me or my brother. It could destroy our house or at least severely damage it. He said it had to come down. I did not believe this. I couldn't believe this. It was my favorite thing about our backyard, right? But when that tree came down and they cut it down and you looked inside the trunk after it had been cut, uh, there were only a few inches of good solid tree trunk, like good healthy wood. Um, and the rest of the inside of that tree was black and soft. I mean, you, if you touched it, it was, you could tell it was not long for this world. So it was like nobody knew, but this thing, nobody could tell. Nobody had any idea. But this tree was in horrible shape and was about to cause a lot of damage and destruction and could really hurt someone, really um, damage my family and our livelihood. That's the picture Paul paints of humanity, right? Is he saying that, like, we're sick, we're broken, we're corrupted, and the problem is, is that nobody sees it. In fact, we are so incapable of seeing it that we get to this long list of very selfish actions that Paul lists. He says, envy, wickedness, they're full of slanders, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, um, unloving, unmerciful. And he says, that's who you are. But guess what? You not only do these things, you humanity people, you people not only do these things, but you applaud other people who live the same way. So we're broken and we're teetering on the brink of really causing harm in the world, really causing harm to other people made in God's image, and we don't even see it. We don't even recognize this reality. So that's, that's a big part of Romans 1, is Paul wants us to wake up to this reality. Because if we'll wake up to it, if we'll see it, then maybe there's hope, right? Maybe we'll look to Jesus. Maybe we'll catch a vision for a better way forward. Um, And I think that's what Paul wants for us, is to see that this revealing of God's righteousness is actually good news. Part of the revealing this... And and last week I said it's not just like making it clear or known, but it's like... um, the revealing of righteousness that he talks about, but it's like letting it come to bear. Righteousness, the righteousness of God is taking root in our world through Jesus. And so this, you know, again, this is why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, so what, what does this have to do with, with Romans 1? Um, well, Part of how God's righteousness is revealed on earth is his wrath. That involves his anger against, not against you personally. That's really important to acknowledge. God's not up there being really ticked at you, like, you, like, I can't stand you. That's not the point. He's really ticked and he's really angry about how broken the good world he's created is. He's really upset about human sinfulness. Why? Because it's hurting. It's hurting um, the world. It's hurting us. It's hurting the people around us. And it's time for us to recognize that 
so that we can look to him for the solution. Um, all right. Why is it good news that God's upset about sin? Because it reminds us that he's going to do something about it. He doesn't sit on the sidelines and feel indifference towards what's wrong with the world. And it's actually good news that he doesn't sit on the sidelines and remain in indifference about what's wrong with you and me. Why is that good news? Because um, my all the ways in which I'm selfish and the ways Paul lays out here, and, and by the way, you may not feel like you're nearly as bad as Paul sort of illustrates, but he lists things like disobedience to parents and gossip and slander and boastfulness and pride um, as things that are actually making the world a worse place. Done some of those things? Ever been prideful? Ever been disobedient to your parents? Um, ever told gossip? Even just twisted the truth a little bit to make yourself look better and someone else worse? Well, Paul would say, then you're contributing to this world's brokenness. You're contributing to this world not being as good as it could be. And I'm glad that God is doing something about that, that he's not indifferent to that. Because it tells me that there's a better story. It tells me that there's a better narrative that I can connect to that can begin to step seep into my life and take root and make a difference. And that's, that's what I want. Isn't that what you want, too? I hope it is. Um, going to unpack a little bit more of this list of like really selfish actions Paul um, lists out next week, and we'll kind of go through them and catch a vision, not just for the way the world is, but what if those things didn't mark human existence? What if these weren't the primary um, adjectives that we would use to describe our lives? What if there's a better set of adjectives that God has in mind for human beings? I think there is. And I think that it's made possible through Jesus. I think there's a better, brighter, more beautiful future and path, not just future, but path for us to walk in the here and now that welcomes the kingdom of Jesus to bear, that welcomes the righteousness of God to take root, that makes um, much of Jesus and makes the world a better place because it sees the needs of others and it sees how we can be a real ingredient in making the world a better place for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. Make sense? Hope this encourages you. We'll see you again next time. 